You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I'm your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanonfilm.com, click on the podcast, and you'll find the Batman Podcast Network, which has a whole list of other Bat-related shows that love to dive into other nerdy subjects we all love to frolic about in our free time. And the Batman Book Club is a part of Patreon. If you like what's going on with the show and you want to support it in any way and help keep the generators running here in the Wayne Manor study. You can do that at patreon.com slash the Batman BC. Thank you for listening to episode number 99, the last double digit episode, triple digits coming up next. Uh, This episode is called Batman, the ultimate guide. It's a special episode because with me is a special guest. He's returning to the show. Um, First time he was on was November of 2020, episode number 30. I've come such a long way in this podcasting journey. It's the author of The Ultimate Guide. It's Matthew Manning. Matthew, thank you for coming back onto the show and talking to me. Oh, thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. Um, The poor people that are going to be listening cannot see the great visual aids that I get to see right now of your your own Batcave, which is full of awesome figures and the 89 Batmobile. And I know when we talked before, uh, I got to see this too. So I just want to give that a shout out and tease everybody listening that they don't get to see what we get to see. <laughs> yeah, I've been collecting since what uh, the 89 movie that ruined uh, my life. So. <laughs> ruined or enhanced? I don't know. The, de- the debate goes on. I could uh, be the- a dentist. <laughs> The, the first time you were on, it was, it was great because I did, uh, it was when the time me and my pal Garrett were talking about the Batman TMNT Adventures book that you'd written. I reached out to you and the author or the artist, uh, John Samariva, and I never heard back from him. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. That's not unheard of, of course. And you responded. And so we talked and I put that episode out and I think John commented or, or messaged me or something. And I was like, oh my gosh. I didn't like, do you want to come on and talk real quick? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so that was really great that we were able to get a one-two punch of you and John to talk about, about that book, which I still love. (laughs) And John's great. We actually got to meet because he lives out in Australia Mm -hmm. and we got just happened to be coming to a um, North Carolina comic-con when the, around the time when the book was out and he he was just like, I'm, I'm going there. And I'm like, Oh, I, 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 I could probably go. It's about, you know, four or five hours. And he's like, I'm coming from Australia. You can go four hours. (laughs) I'm doing all the heavy lifting here. Okay. Come on. You can do this. Uh, Yeah. That's awesome. Cause probably up until that point, you were pen pals and then to get to meet in person. (laughs) We almost exclusively talk on, we still do on like just Twitter, instant messaging kind of thing, you know, it's even like, it's also, you know, the time change and everything. So it's kind of, you know, we, but I think we both have odd schedules, so it works out a little sure. easier. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Working on a, a book with Tom Taylor right now. Yeah, I can't wait for that one to, to come great, out. Yeah. It seems pretty pretty interesting. Uh, I, now, you've been on before, and I asked what your favorite Batman story was. So usually the following, the follow-up question for returning guests 
it's going to be tricky for you because I'm going to say, I always ask, what Batman books have you been reading lately? And given the book we're about to talk about, it's probably <laughs> a lot. But are there any others that maybe you were reading out of pleasure, not for business? Uh, well, I, I always kind of, I actually have, I still have like uh, 1,500 unread comics in my collection <laughs> that I need to get to. And I'm, I'm really making an effort this year. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm at least trying to get, you know, carve 500 out of there because I still get, I still get weekly books. I still go to the shop every week. Um, but I, I, so I save a lot of the ones that I don't have any intention of reading right away are some like Bronze Age issues. Yeah. So I've been, um, and I've read a, a lot on, I mean, at least skim through everything, you know, for some of the books I've read, like the Batman visual um, history, which was the month by month guide to Batman. So I literally kind of had to know a little everything, mm -hmm. but um, some I have, I, you know, either looked through a long time ago and stuff. So it's kind of, I leave some of those. I'm in, I'm kind of on a, um, a brave and the bold kick right now. I'm, I'm reading some of the original run of that just for, just because, you know, those like a lot of fun stuff, like I'm in some of the, the Bob Haney stuff and the later mm -hmm. Mike Barr stuff is, you know, it's exactly what, you know, kind of, you know, it's a nice uh, palate cleanser after all, yeah. you know, all the modern comics I read and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that could be <clears throat> even for like the show if, uh, you know, you're, you're watching Batman animated series so much and maybe you're reading, you know, some of the darker stories and then it is like you just said a palate cleanser of let's watch some Brave and the Bold. Let's, let's fun this out a little bit before we go back into some dark stuff. But I really like your answer of like a true fan of, well, I've got this stack of, yeah. of my usual comics. And I was like, ah, speaking, like hitting us all right in the heart there. Like, yep, don't we all have that unread stack, but got to go to the store tomorrow and get some more. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like to leave those just so, you know, for rainy day or like, oh, I'm feeling, you know, like, because a lot of comics, a lot of rejection, a lot of pitches sent that just never go anywhere, you know? So it's like, I leave those for when I need to be recharged or something. Like a lot of... um I've been enjoying a lot of the old um, original appearances of the Earth 200s. So in like some of those all-star comics and stuff, which I have a lot of in my bin that I need to get to. So I'm kind of like, it's, I'll pull out something like that when I'm, you know, need a, need a break or a reminder <laughs> of why I do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Those are some, those are some deep dives. What a great answer. Hey guys, wanted to hop in here quick to say we're inching towards spring and the warm season will get you outside to enjoy that sunshine. But you can't fully enjoy the outdoors without the proper lawn care. And that's where my friends and sponsors at Manscaped come in. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide, that's 8 million balls, who trust Manscaped, with 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BATBOOK. That's BATBOOK, B-A-T-B-O-O-K. Manscaped's performance package provides a plethora of products that can fit in your own utility belt, like the Lawnmower 4.0. Now, this trimmer has a new cutting-edge blade that helps reduce accidents, is waterproof, and provides a spotlight. I don't know about you, but the toughest parts of lawn care for me are the hilly terrains. Well, the Lawnmower 4.0 helped me and will help you glide along with the right blend of ease and precision to achieve a well-maintained front yard. Now, if you have some extra weeds in the nostrils that not even poison ivy would pluck, the Weed Whacker is the hero you deserve and need right now. It quickly clips in the cave with calm and comfort. And Manscaped's Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner provide a cool, comforting relief to your downstairs. Trust me, it's like Mr. Freeze sent you to the cooler. So take care of yourself 
and your significant other. With all of these products, just go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BATBOOK. That's BATBOOK, B-A-T-B-O-O-K, BATBOOK. Um, of course, though, what we're here to talk about is your new book, the new edition of Batman The Ultimate Guide. Now, this uh, this just came out. We're recording this on Thursday. This just came out on Tuesday. It says that it is a new edition. So can you just guide us through maybe the, the origin of you putting together this book? Uh, yeah, this is this one was kind of, it was um, the, already uh, written by uh, Daniel Wallace, the original version. Mm-hmm. And for, uh, I'm not sure what I was doing at the time or if, you know, because I mean, he, he does a lot of great books too. A lot of, I, I, I think he does a lot of Star Wars. We've actually um, co-written a couple books in the past. Some, um, I'm trying to remember, I think the DC year by year is one we did together. And so he's a really nice guy. And so we've done, we, we do kind of like in the same space, a lot, a lot of these DK books. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he wrote the original version and then I had sent an email saying, you know, if um, I can't remember what book I did right before this. Oh, I think, well, I, I, I've done the DC encyclopedia really recently too, the most recent version of that. In that one, I did all the um, full page spreads and all the two page spreads and four page spreads. So like all the main characters, which mm-hmm. meant I kind of had to catch up with everybody. I was already caught up, you know, I, I read Batman all the time anyway. That's just been, you know, my hobby since, you know, I was in fifth grade. So yeah. it's kind of like, <laughs> I stay up to date with those. But then it was like me trying to have to catch up with a lot of the others for that book. And I, I, I think I just, um, I talked to my editor and I said, well, if you guys ever do anything, you know, another Batman book or something, I really like something where I don't have to do as much reading, you know, and like, yeah, <laughs> and he was like, oh, speaking of Batman, he got back to me pretty quickly and said, we're going to do a new version of the ultimate guide, which is, which I was really excited about because it's one of those, um, I have several, I think I have, I think this is the third version of the ultimate guide. I think um, Scott Beatty did the original and yeah. there was, I believe, I oh know there might've been, I can't remember if there was an update or not in there too, but then there was this, the um, Daniel Wallace version, then my version. Um, so it was like one of those main Batman books that I've, I didn't get to write, which I'm just like, oh yeah, cause I, you know, I'd love to write all of them, you know? So, yeah. cause I've done, you know, I got to write the, the visual history, which is the month by month one. And I wrote, um, I co-wrote the Batman vault with Bob Greenberger and uh, what else? the Batman Arkham Guide, the Batman Character Encyclopedia. So this was one of the few ones that I didn't get to work on. And these are kind of, um, I've done a lot in this particular series and the size, the like the square, which is the more recent version. I, I say recent. You know, they used to do a lot larger. Um, but because I started out with DK, some of my earlier books were the Ultimate Guide to Wolverine, the Ultimate Guide to Iron Man, and then I did I've done the Spider-Man Guide. I think I've updated it like three or four times at this point. <laughs> so I was like, I really want to do the Batman one. So finally, I got to do that. So it was a, uh, it was uh, a very, um, it was good that it worked into my schedule and in theirs at the same time, which is you know sometimes that doesn't happen, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I, the, I mean, the book looks impressive uh the the quality of it is impressive it's a great resource guide it's a great refresher of the the high points of this history and i guess good news is that i don't know give it what five ten years they'll need a new edition so you know keep keep reading that stack next to your your desk (laughs) 
Well, that was one of the things about this particular book. I wish it, we actually did it a couple more months later, a couple months later, just because the continuity was really in shift when we did this and in the DC Encyclopedia. But it's not like you can just push the book back. They have certain release dates and everything. But now it's kind of like a lot of that old continuity is in play now that wasn't even when we wrote this book, you know? So it's kind of uh, one of those, like we did a timeline for it. And I, I would have done a little bit more, I would have approached the timeline a little bit differently now that we know that, that a lot of these classic stories are back in play. Um, Cause you know, there've been a lot of the series have been flashing back to moments from, you know, um, pre new 52 and all that, which is, mm-hmm. which is nice to see for me. I'm, I'm very happy that all the continuity is back essentially. So it's kind of, um, you know, we, I think they still need to kind of streamline it a bit to figure out exactly which origin, you know, are, are we doing zero year? Are we doing year one? Are we, is it a combination of the boat? You know, so, because there, yeah. there are some contradictory things in there. And as of now, they've lived through all of it, but they, and they're just aware of these crises that have changed, you know, the course of their yeah. history. It can be a little, a little uh, foggy, I guess, some of the details. <laughs> <laughs> so that might, maybe that provides some speed bumps for you as a writer, but as a fan, do you like where it's ended then? As you just said, of their, they recognize that these crises have happened? Uh, yeah, I, I like that. I think, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think they're finally finished yet. I feel like mm-hmm. there's going to be more, there'll be some fine tuning and this, uh, the new dark crisis might do a little bit of that maybe, or, you know, um, but, oh yeah, one other one of the books that I wrote, my favorite book that I've written is the Batman files. Um, oh yeah. That, that was the Andrew McMeal's book. That was like the scrapbook. And that was at that point in the continuity, I was able to actually write one long story uh, mm-hmm. in one in consistent timeline because new it came out right before the new 52 we actually didn't even get advanced word <laughs> the, oh new, the new 52 was going to change or that so it was kind of like oh all right i guess ours <laughs> that whole book i did out the window but but i actually it kind of worked the opposite of people because you know fans were very polarized some mm-hmm. people are excited about oh, starting over with a new continuity and then some were like ah i'm done and, th- and our book kind of was an you know an in cap for those people like oh you know this celebrates everything i love about batman because at that point, um, Morrison had just essentially opened up the continuity and said every story happened, but some were like, you know, drug-induced hallucinations and, you know, but yeah. then all those things happened. So it was kind of fun to be able to actually, um, it was the perfect time to write that book because I could work it all onto the timeline. And then, you know, and then they started, you know, New 52. So we would even have to approach that book differently if they ever did a new version of that. So, <laughs> And that one was from the perspective of uh, Bruce, right? And like his journals and all of those files. So yeah, you got to point. act like you were Batman. Yeah. And that was a, <laughs> a depressing book to write after a while. Because depressing. <laughs> things don't go well for him. You know, it's not like, it's that, like every, every couple of years, another important person dies, you know? And yeah. Like, so actually and, after that book, <laughs> They asked me, um, I was, I could, um, for Inside Editions, they wanted to do the world according to Batman or the world according to Joker. And it was fair. I mean, I had done a couple other things in between, but I was like, you know what? I would, I would rather do the Joker for now. Like, let me write in the Joker's voice and just, you know, yeah. instead of being still, you know, cause I felt, I felt like the world according to Batman would be a little too similar. And mm-hmm. so, and, um, and I think they got Steve Englehart to write that one. So that was a pretty, oh, nice. was a good decision on my part. So I could still get that book too, <laughs> but all of that is perfect, like a perfect reason that you can say of why you have that stack of Brave and the Bold. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little less heavy when, you know, you go to that fun, uh, those older, older eras. Uh, 
did you so two um really fun parts to start off with are the cover of the book and then the forward by tom king did you have mm-hmm. any involvement with getting into so the covers by jorge jimenez um, who Batman fans are no stranger to. He did a, a long run on the Batman title uh, with James Tynan the fourth, and also he's going to be returning with Chip, Chip Zdarsky for the book. Uh, with him or Tom King, did you get to? Were you in charge of setting that up, or was that just kind of presented to you? That's happening. Um, I can't remember if I suggested the cover artist. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times I've been able to do that, um, but I definitely I, I, I suggested Tom because they well who should write the foreword, you know? And I was like, and I think we had. Um, trying to remember I think Scott Snyder had written another DK book pretty recently a forward to that if I'm remembering right or he might have done DC encyclopedia or one of those and so I thought you know well Tom had just had just gotten finished with his run at the time when we're talking about it and I said yeah I think he would be and look I actually didn't even remember it till I got a copy of the book because I didn't even see his (laughs) forward until it was Uh here same with the cover I hadn't seen it until it was advertised Uh so yeah a lot of these books it works like that where you know, I'm, I'm doing my section is very compartmentalized where, you know, I'm, I'm doing just, you know, the book and then, all, you know, the editor's taking care of everything else. So that can be, and sometimes that even applies to the titles for a lot of these books. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll market a title and then I'll, I'll be like, oh, okay, that's what we're using. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Here we go. I mean, this one was already, the title was already in place and we, you know, it was just a, a new edition of this, but I sure. just wrote a, um, a Spider-Man book that just got solicited, I think last week. And it was um, called Spider-Man, uh, hit, uh, I think a celebration in history of the web slinger decade okay. by day or something like that. And I had no idea what that title was going to be. Oh my. So, Cause that's, a, that's an update to the Spider-Man vault that we did. Uh, oh, okay. that, I, actually, I didn't write the Spider-Man vault. That's Peter David and Bob Greenberger. And um, oh, I think somebody else, I can't remember now. Uh, all these things are just flow. That might've just been them. And then, you know, and then I came in and, again updated that for the last decade and added some things and it's it's amazing um even how um certain wordings have to change like certain they'll be like light-hearted phrases and stuff that might be you know misconstrued today and it's kind of like mm-hmm. well let's change the wording of this let's yeah. you know this is this has changed a bit you know <laughs> in yeah. like you know like uh, <laughs> so yeah that, that can happen this one not as much but um what was interesting about the the batman guide is that there's some things that are required in these books, there's like weird licensing issues. For instance, I, I don't believe at, um, that we're allowed to call him um, like Jervis Tesh. I don't think we're allowed to call him Matt Hatter in like a heading for some reason. There's some weird licensing hmm. rule because I, I, I always correct it and I say, no, this should be, we're calling everybody by their villain names in the heading yeah. and it's, it's never changed. So I, I think that's one of those um, weird rules like the DC, there's actually a different style guide that some of the um, book editors use that they have to for legal reasons and all these things that I don't even understand. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to find that now. Cause I mean, you have a, there's yeah, definitely there's, a villain section I'm looking for now to see that. And I could just be mistaken. It could be one of those things that I uh, corrected that just got, that slips through. There's those happen all the time because there's, there's a fast turnaround for these and mm-hmm. there's a lot of different um, levels of approval. So they'll be we'll be editing one section and another section will be at DC. And sometimes things do just kind of fall through the cracks. I, but, I mean, I, I see it in your rogues gallery, right? It says Jervis Tetch. Yeah. Tetch and then there's tech. a quote by him at the top. That's uh, that's actually instead of Matt Hatter. But we're allowed to call him Matt Hatter in the text. Um, so, but yeah, there's just- Weird, I never realized that. Rules. 
Yeah, and that's happened in other books. So, do you, do you know of anything? Okay, so now that just ruined me reading Mad Hatter stories. Um, uh, no, comics, no. <laughs> well, comics, I think operate on a different set of rules, gotcha. which is too. Like even um, we we can't take a lot of liberties with the comics. Like I did. Um, I don't know if you saw my book, Exploring Gotham City. Yeah, I got um, it right over there. Oh, yeah, that's I love the way that book looks. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, book. that looks awesome. And one of the things for that is like there's a lot of uh, back and forth where they thought I was taking things from the 66 show. Mm -hmm. Like with there's the, the mention of the bat poles and 14 miles to Gotham City, but all those were little in jokes that Tom King had actually added into continuity during his run. And so for everyone, there's like, this is just from the show. And I'm like, well, no, it actually was added recently. And so then I have to send them, you know, a Roof. photo of my comics <laughs> to like be like, see, this wow. is, so cool. but I mean, because they're trying to make sure that they're they're operating under a strict like licensing rule. So if yeah. you're this like I'm I'm sure Insight didn't have the license to do anything from the 66 show and they have to protect their property and make sure they're not, you know, the wrong things aren't getting in the wrong book. So it makes sense, you know, that they're wow. and, and there's a lot more steps of approval these days than there used to be. So when I did the Batman files back in what 2010 or so or 2011, right before um, the new 52, they it was just me and my designer and we really were left alone and our editors over at DC were, you know, they were great, but they were just, they would just give us what we need. And, you know, then they had a couple proof proofreaders and things go through and make sure I didn't do any continuity mistakes. But I think, you know, I was um, like Steve Corte and so he was the editor on that. And mm -hmm. I think they were just, just very aware how, how too much Batman I've read, you know, so they're like, <laughs> you know, we're gonna, we're gonna let you, you know, do what you're, you know, yeah you know, do what you uh, know for this, because this is what you're, you know, there's a few things I'm an expert at. That's one of the only things I'm an expert in, you know, <laughs> and so they just let me uh, kind of go. And nowadays, Warner Brothers, there's like five other people that are giving notes and, you know, there's just a different set of approvals, and which is just the way the thing, the world is now. Now there's sure. DC Entertainment rather than DC Comics, and there's, they're all kind of, a lot of different people have to sign off on things. So. That's, wow, that's, that's kind of, it's kind of fascinating, but I can only imagine you, you go through all that and it's like, okay, so all of that, keep in mind, plus make sure you still write the book. Yeah. <laughs> and the good I, thing, I mean, you catch every once in a while, they'll catch me on something. I'm like, Oh, you're totally right. Like I got the, uh, yeah, I got the number wrong for the grandfather clock because that's actually kind of changed over the years too. Um, I'm not, I can't, I couldn't find it. I went back and look, and if anybody knows what comic it's in, I'd, I'd like sure. to find it. But it used to be 10, um, at least it used to look like it was 1047 uh, a lot. And it might have been mentioned. But then in uh, Pete Tomasi's run, they started calling it 10, uh, 1048 to open the, uh, the, you know, the grandfather clock to get into the Batcave. Yeah. So I actually got that wrong when I was doing it. I used the 1047. I'm like, oh, you're right. No, I think I was, you know, confusing that with the 1947, which is on the giant penny. You know, mm -hmm. so there's all these, all these numbers I'm trying to keep it, you know, which is almost always wrong, like in... And no artist really cares to look up what date should be on that penny when they're drawing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, so which one ended up in the book? Because I thought I, I marked it in here. Yeah, we, we did the 1048. For, we did 1048, okay. And when we did this book, I said, well, that's what DC was going with now. You know, so it's definitely 1048. But I, I really, I was looking through a lot of them and I there can't find a, a definite 1047 in the old comics. But okay. I could swear it's there, but you know, I've... I literally have 15,000 Batman related comics upstairs. So <laughs> literally, 
they start getting, you know, and th this goes from like little cameos, you know, like Batman will be in Superman for a panel. And I bought that, you know, back in the day and stuff. So, yeah, there's yeah, a lot that I have to keep straight. <laughs> <laughs> and now just found it. 1048. Wow. Uh, so let's just talk about like breaking it up into. So <clears throat> I keep saying this. So, 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 um, so this is an updated edition. So then I guess how much um i guess how much was handed to you to update then or are you just kind of starting from scratch in a way of how you want the book position no. or chapter to broken up and stuff yeah i think it would be a different book if i was doing it just from scratch myself mm -hmm. um and actually our plans kind of shifted midway um so for these kind of books it's always like however much original text you can keep that's better. I mean, it's better for the designers, however much of the original layouts. But the, I think for the most part, they went through and changed almost all the layouts for the midway. They're like, you know what? We really want this to be more of a special release for a update. And it mm -hmm. looks like there's been so much that's changed, you know, so let's let's go back and really. And then we did um, a lot of the spreads or I, I, I think the majority of them have had something changed, whether it's just a couple sentences. And sometimes like when you're doing this book for to save on cost, they'll be like, is this spread fine? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I could add something about this. And they're like, no, no, no. If it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't need it, we don't, have, it costs more money every time we change one of these spreads. But this yeah. time they're kind of like, you know, if you need to change stuff, you know, we can just change. And I did find um, a, a number of mistakes that needed to be corrected. But then, you know, like I said, these things like the DC encyclopedia that came out recently, I've noticed several mistakes in that. And I wrote, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they were, but they would be like, because um, you can't expect all the designers in the books to be, batman experts that's not what they're hired to do and yeah. so or like dc comics especially when you get into the minor characters like i know in our dc encyclopedia um the cosmic uh cosmic boy is lightning lad is in his place for some reason in the main illustration and then they use the same image on lightning lad and both of them are the wrong lightning lads they're not the newest bendis version yeah. so it's 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 like ah they they've already you know we've caught all these things and they they're doing it for the foreign market they're correcting all of it but it's like it's like ah oh, i didn't have enough time or you know i was not sent one version of the file where i could have flagged that because sometimes it's just like oh no we got to do this and and for that book i was doing i want to say i was doing 12 to 14 hour days and wow. it was just like so intense because there was so much research and i'm really particular i want to make sure my facts sure. are right so, there's and then stuff some stuff was literally changing as I was writing it. I'm like, oh god, because <laughs> that was that came out when death uh, death metal was being released, and so mm. I was like, oh no, is this still in play? You know, and so there there's always like I said, there's always going to be a few things that slip through the cracks. But it's but nice if readers pointed out we can correct it for the new editions and things. And, yeah. and then also sometimes the readers are wrong. Like <laughs> we had a, I did the um, DC Anatomy of a Metahuman, and we used oh, a yeah. particular we do use a particular version of Bizarro and I was getting all, we've got like some notes and saying, Oh, Bizarro is with red hood and all this. I'm like, Oh no, this is the one right before that. You know, the, that version wasn't out yet when I wrote this book. So it's yeah. like, we can't update in real time. You know? <laughs> well, I commend you for wanting to be a professional writer and get everything correct too. So, you know, that's, <laughs> I feel like you'll have a lot, You'll have a good long career if you if you're you know working to make things correct. So as far as like a layout goes, then uh, what's that process for? I'm trying to find just a. Uh, I was just at like the Wayne Manor um, section, and it had, you know, it had different images, and then it's got the main like the main text, 
there but then you have like small writing like the the grandfather clock it has a little insert of that what's the process then of filling like you you visualize the layout so you're like okay this is the main text this is the subtext or how does that how does that go how does well, that work it depends like so for this particular book since we already had layouts from the original version it mm -hmm. was just the first step was just me going through and circling things that are either changed or incorrect you know and there wasn't a lot of mistakes but there was a couple things in there you know that that i was just like oh no that's you know or or they would be like oh that's outdated that's an old earlier version or something uh -huh. and then something we kind of like for the wayne manor for instance we kind of had to tiptoe a little bit because at that point there was you know he's not using it anymore he's not using it currently and we don't you know i didn't know how long that was going to last and i still don't know how long it's going to last you know so it's kind of like still talking about wayne manor as an important part of you know in one of these opening spreads as an important part of you know batman and his character and his you know base of operations and stuff but not mm -hmm outright you know saying this is he's never going back here you know so yeah. it was <laughs> that. but yeah for that particular spread it was really just going through and flagging things that have been that are changed or you know um and then or oh things we need to update let's and he's and that one actually doesn't have as much changes as like a lot of the other spreads so when you get to the later spreads of like the new the things that were never included in the book like anything after um like for the zero year and for instance so like zero year, I, I believe that was a brand new spread. And for that, I just wrote, like, I, I said, okay, here are 10, um, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 uh, little short paragraphs that we're gonna try, because they like to have it split up rather than being one big block of text. We'll have a, a lot of times a main, a main text and then small other, you know, additional text. So for that one, it was, it was me just writing all the text and then giving them, um, images to use so i'll actually go through and say you know issue number what you know 20 whatever panel you know page seven panel four this will be the best version and sometimes it doesn't work with the design they're doing sometimes they'll blow up an image that they think that the designer thinks is more visually striking or that'll work better on the page and that's yeah. their job so i'm always happy when they you know go with something that's going to be the most visually pleasing or, and a lot of times I get, I think the designer will take what I've got there and say, okay, how can I make this as cool as possible? And, and again, this is all, this happens very quickly. It's all on the fly. It's all like, <laughs> you know, we have, it's, we never seem to have enough time because yeah. <laughs> instead of being like a DC comic that's just coming out from DC, you've got DC and DK first have to work out a deal and they're mm -hmm. back and forth over there for a while where, and then, and then finally they say, okay, and then you have to get approval to, for me to be the author. And so that's, there's some back and forth or whatever, you know, I'm not, I'm not privy to all everything that they're doing, but it takes a longer than, you know, a comic would if just people decided, oh, we're going to do a comic about Robin next month, you know, or well, not next month, yeah. but you know, down, the, down the line. So, and there's still a lot of, you know, Interior talk bit more because you have several companies, you have DC, you have Warner Brothers, and you have DK all involved. So by the time they finally say, okay, we have a green light, it's like we have like a couple weeks, you know. <laughs> or like, <Yeah. laughs> um, I, I don't remember, I don't remember what the timeline was on this one, but it also ended up being a lot more writing than I anticipated originally huh. for an update, just because so much has changed, you know, since the last. And so, which is good for the readers because that means there's a lot of new content, but it's also it's a bigger project than I originally thought it was when we took it on. So you wanted, I mean, you said you, you talked in, you know, a team effort on keeping it as visually compelling as possible. Did you, 
I guess, put your foot down on like, as you submitted stuff and be like this image here? Uh, not, not as much. Sometimes I'll say like this, if like, for instance, like the, you know, the metal spread, you know, mm -hmm. the dark metal. I said, this should be really be our main image of all the, the you know, the evil dark nights, just because yeah. this would label each one and say, which, you know, but it's never, it's never like, oh, you know, this is, you're doing a terrible job. You know, that I've never had that problem with DK. They, these guys have been doing it forever. And I've worked with a lot of the same designers over the years. And a lot of them are like, hey, it's me again. It's like, oh, cool. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and sometimes I'll just go back and forth with the designers themselves. You know, it'll be like, okay, is this, you know, here's this spread. And I'll be like, oh, okay, can we, um, this is actually the Earth 2 version of, you know, Huntress mm -hmm. instead of the Huntress, right, that we need from, you know, this or something. So we have, and I'll go through and give like a list of notes on those kind of things, because those things always happen. Like they'll pick, oh, this is a cooler image of Huntress. And I'm like, yeah, but that's Helena Wayne. We need Helena Bertinelli from, yeah. you know, Spiral or something. So those are the kind of, that's really the only back and forth. And it's just them, you know, again, it's them trying to make a cool looking book and me being like, well, it still has to be, you know, we have to be, I have to be a stickler for the continuity and, yeah, you know. I have to police all that. So. Still leaves it exciting for you when you get when you get to see the book finished for the first time to see all of the oh. the images and stuff and and it's probably a game for you since you're a, a Batman expert of oh that's from issue you know two seventy five oh that's from you know <laughs> the Killing Joke which obviously you know stuff like that that'd have to be fun. I love when different parts of the book, which I'll show you where it becomes a uh, I guess like a, a a vertical image a two-page spread and i love that you included the cover to batman 166 in one of them because i actually have that com that comic um and it's like the oldest by far the oldest comic i have but it was because of uh it was like a an old antique shop that would constantly just do random like grab bags for like five dollars and stuff and it was included in that and it's not in like the best of shape but it's still cool it's all intact it's all yeah. fine and i'm like oh my gosh this is batman 166 and i mean it's kind of an iconic cover too of like the escaping the the death trap it's a fun a fun throwback yeah i loved uh, a lot of that like i actually bought a lot of my older comics from like when i was in high school and stuff instead of spending money like i should have been i was buying like oh here's the first appearance of poison ivy and i'm buying it very cheap from you know an old mom and pop comic store that i went to all the time yeah and it was just like because you know no one else cared at that point <laughs> like like I, I remember buying the first Rachel Bull in um, Batman what two thirty two in college, mm -hmm. and I used my store. I kept saving up my store credit every you know every week. They would do like you get twenty dollars credit for every hundred dollars you spend, and I saved it up because they, they only it was a, it's an amazing copy. But back then it was only eighty dollars, and so I was like, that's I think still that might be the single most expensive comic I've bought. So I don't do a lot of like you know vintage comic shopping these days. Although yeah. Yeah, so that was just one of those that you're know, like, oh, I, for me, it was kind of free because I got it with a store credit, even though I should have been using it for my monthly books. But <laughs> So I, I got to ask now, unrelated to the book, then what is probably your, I guess, your oldest Batman comic and then your most prized Batman comic? Um, well, really, that that um, 232 is in such good condition. It's one of my very favorites. It's your favorite? Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the oldest one. I don't remember the number. It's it's uh, in double digits, I think, and it's like an old Two Face cover, which I really like. Um, but then I, I I liked I I went through a period before a lot of this um, 
the modern collecting and stuff where I would get a lot of key issues because I like to get first appearance of characters. So I have, mm-hmm. I have like the first um, Mr. Freeze and like I said, wow. Poison Ivy Generation, Talia, and um, I have the Matt Hagen Clayface and um, the, uh, the original Betty Came Back Girl and things like that. I don't, I don't have Batwoman, which I really still want, but um, I tried to get most of the rogues you can get before it gets to be golden age because mm-hmm. you know, I can't get like first appearance of Riddler is not in my price range, you know, but I can get yeah. like, I can get like the first clue master, you know, <laughs> <laughs> still counts. So, yeah. Still counts. So I, I have a lot of those. And then, you know, I bought some comics like right off the rack, like the first Harley was just mm-hmm. in my regular pulls from my comic shop, you know, when I, cause I was buying Batman adventures from when it first came out. So yeah. and that's one of those comics. I was like, this is never going to be good. Even when I wrote Batman visual, the visual history, the month by month, I didn't even include that comic, which I should have. But to me, in my head, it's like, it's not really your first appearance, you yeah. know, because Joe was their first appearance. And then to me, it's always when they're introduced into the actual, com- uh, the DC universe, like that first Batman Harley yeah. Quinn special. To me, that was Harley's first appearance. But I, technically, it's now, you know, the Batman Adventures. And since, you know, only kids were buying that, really, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's one of those ones that, the, one of the few modern books that actually has shot up in prices just because, you know, it wasn't one that was bought by collectors, like everything else in the 90s. That was they were all bought by collectors, but oh, that brilliantly written children's comic. We're not going to buy that. You know? it's like, yeah, <laughs> one of the greatest comics, and you know, skipped over by everybody. Even you know, I was what in high school or junior high, and no one my age was reading that. So, <laughs> uh, you have a, some really fun, and I just imagine this would be hard, uh, a challenge maybe for you as a writer. Some uh, different sections, different pages that go through. Uh, variations one in particular is bat suit variants oh yeah <laughs> so uh, how how fun was that but then also maybe how stressful if at all to narrow it down to like one well, image for a decade that's one of those that i would have liked to um, probably done it differently if i got to design from the start i probably would have done spent a lot more time on all the different bat suits sure um i've done I've done some book. I think I want to say I think I did a. I can't remember if it, there was like one of those a smaller kit books a while back. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't. I think I did talk about all the different bat suits that I could, because I really enjoy like you know even like the small like oh, this is where Batman was wearing Clayface as armor you know like, yeah that happened not too long ago or anti Clayface Batman armor you know which which is from Scott Snyder's run you know so I like I love all those little you know things. well you know I have this crazy collection because i love all the different bat variations of the suits and things and you know so that's just that that's always really a fun thing i actually really like it when i have a lot of time to specialize on one particular part of it like i did a little book there's a little four four pack book and it was called like i think chronicles of the dark knight or something i can't remember again i don't get to name them so i can never remember them but um it's is is a four-part book and one of the books was just completely on the bat signal and mm-hmm. I remember my editor at the time said, well, you probably can't write a book about just a bat signal. And I was like, oh, that'd be great. And I was like, we could talk about, <laughs> you know, the guys, the, the, who was originally hired to turn the signal on and off. And, you know, and then who was hired later on in that. And then when we had Joker symbol signals or Robin signals or when the only one they didn't let me put in was when Hitman um, uses a dead cat to summon Catwoman um, by putting a dead cat on a, on a spotlight and calling it the cat symbol. Oh, wow. Cat's oh dear! That was not permitted in this particular all ages book. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. 
I love I like that how you probably can't write a whole book on a bat signal. Like challenge accepted. Okay. Yes, I can. Yeah, and I did a book for Inside Editions, which was just about the Daily Planet, which I had so much fun doing because you can just really like when you get to zone in on one aspect and like talk about all the different, you know, changes or you know, iterations, it's that you can really be more thorough. And that kind of yeah. speaks to my weird brain. <laughs> <laughs> we all have weird brains. I, I, I like to think, hopefully. Uh, of these, no, I, I love the part of, you went with Batman, like the suits of, of the time through the years, but then you also split up into like alternate realities, specialized designs, and then other bearers, which are other people that wore bat suits. I think all of that is really cool. Do you have, out of, since you narrowed it down, on just that page, bat suit variants. Which one is maybe your favorite? Uh, I can't even. Let me. It's, been it's on a page while. sixteen. I'm trying to work through that. Okay. <laughs> I was like, let's see, because I know some of these were already in place before. Sure. Um, in their earlier editions. So, um, well, actually, I mean, yeah, my well, my favorite for just Bruce Wayne Batman is, and it's not really depicted here. It's kind of, but. Um, really the the classic um, bronze age costume i like yellow oval and capsule belt and blue and gray and that's always that will always be my my yeah. version of batman you know like like even though like i mean I, I started really buying all the books i was buying other um titles like i bought legends of dark knight when it came when that started coming out and um shadow of the bat and things but i remember started buying everything when nightfall came out that mm -hmm. they, it completely worked because you had to ploy, you know it's like, <laughs> yeah and so it was like that's the costume that's kind of you know. and then I, my parents were um are still are very big into antiques and collecting so i had to go to flea markets with them constantly and then every once in a while i would find it i remember this one time we found a, a whole stack of bronze age batman comics for five bucks for the whole stack and I, I could afford that at that point so that was good so and that was all these you know classic stories where it was just like you know the yellow that bronze age perfect version you know yeah. and then all the Garcia Lopez style guides, the Neil Adams art, Marshall Rogers, you know, that's all, and that's all like the perfect looking Batman to me. And, and when, um, and it, uh, I've said this before, but when the 89 movie, that's really what brought me into Batman, but a lot of the merchandising, cause they still, a lot of it was, you know, in flux, like as movies are, and they didn't have the direct pipeline sending, you know, um, you know, internet like backends where people can go in and find out like the style guide online and stuff. Yeah. So a lot of the merchandising back then was the Bronze Age Batman. And mm -hmm. so that was kind of like, okay, this is the real Batman. The movie version's cool, but this is the real one. And I'm I'm in on the secret and I'm learning all these things because I'm the one reading the comics, you know. And yeah. so that whole uh, appeal to me of this whole secret world of comics was, you know, very, uh, it was very exciting as a, for a little kid. And before that, my only Batman comic was, um, Batman the Outsiders number 10, which was just at one of these comics my dad brought home from a grocery store or something and threw it on a pile. And now I read it over and over and over. And so that was another one, Bronze Age Batman. And that's also why I'm a huge Outsiders fan. Mm -hmm. Actually, on my wall here, I actually have um, six Steve Lytle pages from that comic, wow. which I bought in high school for so little amount, like I think somewhere between, you know, $15 to $45 a page. And that was it for these like, awesome pages you know and um i think they would have been more if they realized that um I mean, even back then but comic guard didn't used to sell that much when i was you know i went i graduated high school in 97 so you could buy i remember buying a a page of morrison and porter's jla number one for 20 dollars at a at a show <laughs> so unreal was, yeah 
it's, um, it's kind of a shame that comics have become such a big thing and popular because yeah. now <laughs> twenty dollars for that holy crap all the, i mean the best investments i ever made where i bought uh, i have two covers because i'm again i'm a huge outsiders fan so i have a cover right in front of my desk here of the um uh, the outsiders number 15 it's a dan jurgens cover and then an alan davis cover of adventures of the outsiders number 34 and and in between them i have a geoforce um trading card by jim apparel so it's like ah. the original the cosmic cards or whatever they were called and so and and then a ramona Fraden sketch because i couldn't get you know i can't buy a page of that <laughs> a metamorpho you know but, so that's my little outsiders uh, right here on wow. my desk but, that, my piece of those these days my my uh intro to batman was like a trifecta of uh the movie and uh comics and then the the cartoon and but the comics was brave fogel and aparo oh yeah uh, those were the issues that i had that were given to me so yeah that was like that was my my look for batman and still and that, idolize and that's again with the, you know the yellow oval and the yeah. and the capsule belt and i remember like i remember very um clearly buying because i would go into a store and have like enough for one comic you know <laughs> like, before i was buying weekly comics i had you know and so i remember particularly buying there was that um i i want to say it was batman and it's an issue of um it was where Sarah Essen had just gone to the main continuity. Now all of a sudden she came back after being in year one and there was this caper with Catwoman. And I remember like, and then this was right when um, Harold was new to the Bat Cave and Ace the Bat Hound, you know, and all these things. Yeah. And I was just like, what is all this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's about where I started reading. And then, like I said, and then Nightfall, I started reading just everything. I even mm -hmm. you know, was buying like Showcase 93 and those, which I have you know, a great fondness for. I still love writing. When I get to write a short story in a comic, it's still such a big deal to me because of those anthology comics I read as a kid. Wow. Well, much like the the Batman variants, there's been some Batmobile variants as well, which is just a couple of pages later on uh, page 28. You have a cool, it's a cool rundown of them over the years. So I have to ask that too. Do you have a favorite Batmobile uh, either on this page or one that isn't presented? I, well, I have, I mean, there's a lot, like, I think the best design Batmobile is the Anton first uh, 89 mobile, which sure. at these days, I just consider part of the continuity because it's so many artists have hidden that as an Easter egg in the Batcave. Like it's yeah. there now. Like it's <laughs> like, that's uh, in the, in the comics, but like, so I think that's de definitely the best design. Um, but I, I do love the, the Bry Fogel, um, some of the, that, that weird long, yeah, uh, and then they when they made the Batman subway car, that blew my mind as a kid. I was like, "What is a subway rocket?" You know, like this is so <laughs> cool. And I actually think um, for fans of the Batmobiles, I think that you can't beat the Eagle Moss collections that they the the magazines that they do for every iteration of Batmobiles. Oh yeah, they're so good. Like I've I've written um, some of those magazines for the chess collections um, for those, but then they do. They, they've done everything from the Batman stagecoach used in like a 1950s story, you know, to like a bat train used in one of these old stories to like the particular style of the killing joke Batmobile. Like there's the only problem is their, they, their license doesn't extend to toy. I think it has to be just in model. So the tires don't move, wow. which is a, which is a problem for any toy car, you know, you need to, <laughs> but, but they, yeah, they, they were so thorough with those. I wish I was able to contribute to that particular magazine, but I think they were, I, actually, I didn't get into the Eagle Moss until I think around after that, and I was in a you know doing all the the chess stuff, which was still a lot of fun because that chessboard's great. 
<laughs> so I can't, they're packed away, unfortunately, but I, I can picture the box that they're in, but they're, they weren't Eagle Moss, but um, it was almost like a yellow and blue packaging. And it was. Are those the, the Corgis? Or the how, do you, how do you spell that? Uh, C-O-R-G-I, if I'm pronouncing it right. I don't know. That would be awesome. um, and license in the in the 60s yes they, you they are correct yeah. nice. i have okay a lot of those too those are great yeah so that was i mean of all places walgreens oh yeah i found them at, at walgreens and they had like every era so then um that i had you know i told my my mom about and of course parents never forget they know what you're pointing out and so there was a christmas where i got like every single one of those and those are those are awesome and look at you off the top of your head corgi um, <laughs> there's something with me i don't know that i can pick a favorite but i love what's in they're here in the book the 1940s and 1950s there's oh, yeah. something about those that are just like classic and nostalgic for me of comic book goodness about yeah. those styles <laughs> they're just fun and I think that's, yeah, a lot of that. And I, I mean, and, you know, the, also the, again, the superpowers Batmobile, that era, you know, mm -hmm. because that was, that was the first Batmobile I ever had where, you know, I started as a little, you know, kid with superpowers toys. And I remember, I mean, that thing got destroyed. Like it actually, mine, I still have it. It says Manning on the bottom in Sharpie because I brought it to school for like bring your favorite toy day or something. Yeah. And the whole bottom is destroyed because I just drove it on the gravel in the playground. <laughs> It's like, what are you doing, kid Matt? You're awful. But, you were but yeah. enjoying yourself, as we all should, but then realize as adults we shouldn't. <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, something about that one with the twin bubbles, those windshields mm -hmm. that you know, like that are you know reminiscent of the '66 car and all that. Uh, another section. I don't know how much you had to narrow it down, and I'm not. I'm not fully aware of the last edition of they had these. The key issues. Mm -hmm. Is that something new to this or is that in previous editions? Um, I believe they, they did do, because we started, the first um, version of these books that they did ever was with me when we did the Wolverine one. Uh -huh. And that one where we kind of started with the whole key issue idea. And so they were just kind of following that, that template and they did it with all their books. And I think it works really nice. They put in a lot of extra, I think in these, we simplified some of the information. The editors um, were actually, that was one of the things they requested. Um, they were, they were saying, you know, they're a little too wordy. We're trying to make some of the text bigger in this particular version so it can appeal to all ages because they thought it was just only appealing to adults where, you know, the material, you know, it's Batman from comics. So it should be hopefully accessible. You know, that's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I added a couple new ones. If I, if I remember it, boy, they all, all these projects flow together after a while. Sure. I bet. Yeah. But I know I did have to change some, um, some of the details in a couple of them. I, I had to essentially rewrite a lot of them because there was a lot more text in the old version. And mm -hmm. so I had to go through and kind of, it was almost like reading the story again and simplifying it, you know, in a different way, just so they could, you know, they wanted to make that, that was the particular font they wanted to increase. So that was a kind of a challenge on its own. What, what do you cut out? What do you keep in? I, but I think I agreed with most of them. One we removed because we were already, I said, you know, this, I can't remember what it was. It was something about maybe one of the 60s issues. Okay. And I said, and it was a little too close in time to the other, the, the key issue right before it. And I said, well, this, this space would be better used to introduce, you know, a different concept and this kind of thing. And like I said, they were very flexible with, because um, they you know, wanted this book to be its own 
project rather than just a retread. So we got to change a lot. <laughs> well, I think I can't argue with any that were included here. I mean, you have as, as most recent as Batman three jokers. And I, I mean, I, I loved that story. I think Jeff Johns is a genius and that's yeah, a, I like I mean, and, a lot too. But that was one that we weren't allowed to say it's in continuity because uh -huh. that was right at, that was right when doomsday clock and dc still wasn't sure if doomsday clock was going to count and i think they aren't <laughs> like now they're kind of going back to that now with the the new flashpoint series so it's kind of like well like maybe we could have called it because <laughs> i feel yeah. like when you take three jokers and the real impact is that little stinger twist there at the end um and I feel like, and also, you know, the impact of there being three Jokers over the years is a really interesting concept. When you take that yeah. out of continuity, it loses all of that punch. And mm -hmm. I feel like, on, and now it's just an Elseworlds story that doesn't really feel, have the same weight. You know, when it's, when that, when you make that big of a change in the continuity, it's like, whoa, yeah. you know, this changes everything. But then when you say, oh, no, this is just, this is something else. <laughs> it's kind of like, ah, I wish you hadn't, guys hadn't done that. Because it, and also the fact it was confusing because it does tie into the Justice League comic at the time, there was hints about the three Jokers at that point, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the, the Rebirth special, and those are all in continuity. And now there, there was a shift in the time of Warner Bros. was saying, we don't think this is in continuity, we can't really call it that. But who knows, you know, that could be changed next year, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm- so in the air. I would like this to be in continuity, personally, even though, you know, Joe Chill has died a couple times in the comics, but. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. <laughs> it's, coming it's, back. <laughs> It's comic books. Uh, I'm really glad. <laughs> I'm really glad, and anybody listening will know why I'm glad that you included uh, the Long Halloween issue number one. Uh, it's my favorite Batman story of any medium, anything. I am obsessed with the Long Halloween, so of course I got a little giddy when I saw that that was included. But then it's funny too that you included uh, Batman R.I.P. because that is the one book on this show that was the most stressful for me to talk about because all these years later i still don't know if i like it or not oh. see i really liked <laughs> I, I love that era from when the one year later when robinson started to when morrison jumped on i thought all that stuff was just so much fun it was just a blast to read like all the way through batman incorporated so i like yeah. that whole i mean I, i'm also <laughs> a big morrison fan i loved um I love everything he's done, Batman. I love Arkham Asylum. I love the Gothic. Gothic mm -hmm. might be my favorite that he's done, the Legend of the Dark Knight arc. Um, so, yeah, he, like, and what I really did love about that, and also even with 52, in 52, he actually had, um, if you remember that storyline where the, the Ten-Eyed Men, where it was this, you know, kind of like religious order or whatever, and they literally, um, he, he, like, Morrison zeroed in on the problem with Batman was that he was becoming almost a parody of himself, being too dark, too grim everybody uh i mean the good writers knew how to do it but then bad writers would just try to ape frank miller and not not hit the target you know yeah and more was seeing that more and so he actually had them like cut away in this kind of spiritual experience they were like cutting away more of the darkness from batman which i thought was a really interesting and fun way to do it and then all of a sudden you know he starts incorporating oh the original Batwoman was back in continuity and all these, all these old weird, you know, the, the, even Dr. Hurt himself, mm -hmm. he used an old comic to, you know, that original death of Robin comic um, and to, you know, bring all that into continuity. And I just loved every story counting, you know, that was, I think that's, I thought that was a really good thing. So the problem with the, the, the RIP itself was that he wasn't 
allowed to die in that particular comic <laughs> and just ties into final crescent he kind of died like seven times like yeah <laughs> like he died there the batman and the outsiders he kind of died in that comic at the time you know so all these comics it's like well what he's not really dying in any of these and then final yeah. crisis kind of like that and, and actually which is funny because i really wasn't into final crisis that wasn't really a story that i found that um fun or engaging and like i said i love morrison but that one really didn't and i didn't really do it for me kind of but uh, yeah, I think I think if they were if they were able to craft the narrative so it was all one contained story and we got to see that you know because I do think it led to such great possibilities with the, um, Dick Grayson and teaming with Damien it's just it was just so much fun yeah and that was the other thing I do kind of I like Damien but I kind of wish Damien had was they were they allowed to kill him in that stay dead me art. too. Yeah. <laughs> But to be fair, the Robin book might be my favorite book right now, monthly. Yeah, I think yeah. it's so much fun. And I just, but I just, you know, the, the character of Damien is like, it's, it, he had a, a particular, he served a particular point in the whole, in Morrison's story. And sure then the story was over. And then, you know, and Pete Tomasi did some really cool father and son stuff when they brought him back. But it's just like, you know, he, he could have gone, like, I would much rather prefer tim being back in the robin role like yeah. the only robin you know but that's also it could just be my age you know like i, I last onto those original robin miniseries as a kid you know and like that was just like he's like me i'm that age i could be yeah. rob you know <laughs> like you're like you're not alone the least I've, had, athletic, you know? <laughs> I, I've had people on this show too that uh Tim Sheridan not too long ago who wrote the long halloween uh adaptations i mean he oh, yeah. we talked about tim drake and robin that i mean hit him at the prime age and uh some guests before that loved tim drake it's uh people people love the drake um <laughs> r.i.p it was because i think right when more so the the final issue of face to face right before morrison started that's when i got i got into comics period like every week every month whatever because i had my own job i had a comic shop close by and so the ride of r.i.p was awesome i thought because it was exciting and unpredictable. And then you learned that Morrison is making all these nods to Batman's history. But like you said too, though, I felt like, because I kept reading the whole run right up until every issue would come out. And it's like, so I just kept rereading to see if I missed anything <laughs> to where when that last chapter of RIP and I just felt like, what, that's it? <laughs> and so that's where I do feel like it felt incomplete to me and I was not satisfied by the ending of it. And Red Final yeah. Crisis and most of the over until like until the end of Batman Incorporated, the second volume, yeah. like just a really big, and you kind of have to stick with it to see all the fun stuff, you know, like um, because he, he, I mean, he's been planning stuff that whole time. Like in R.I.P., he does those issues where they talk about having a romance with Kathy Kane, and then he actually gets into describing that more in the Batman Incorporated issues. We get to mm -hmm. see, you know, what that was all about, and you know, it's kind of like because they they had already brought in her they already brought her back in the bronze age too in issues of batman family so she ha had a circus back then you know and so and everybody thought oh no she's only on earth too at this point and they're like no 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 now she's on you know the, the you're in the main yeah. continuity now and she owns a circus and has a history and it's like so they keep you know they've done that over the years over and over and that's what i'm really happy about the continuity now is that we've everything's back in play you can reference all sorts of stuff now you know like in the current joker comic i've noticed they've been referencing some comics that would have been off limits during new 52 so yeah that's and, and you see that in like all the titles like even um you know like in robin with connor hawk being back and all that it's, 
there's a lot of a lot of fun things that are you know I, I like the direction everything's going right now so mm-hmm. i mean it's i mean it's pretty it's pretty fun being a batman fan in comics right now because there's no shortage of batman content which i know can get pretty pricey but also it can be fun and i think i think that it permits to to take some big swings because if it's not your if it's not your thing as a fan it's like that's okay because you've got all these others whereas you know way back in the day i mean batman and detective and maybe now you've got batman and the outsiders or something like that uh i want to ask you a few questions and then uh respect your time and let you go a couple of i mean i've already asked like a favorite uh i want to ask some favorites and then some rapid fires so off the top of your head uh favorite sidekick uh, i guess probably yeah tim probably for tim is robin i mean i still love you know uh, i love all the the classic dick grayson stuff especially the bronze age and stuff but yeah i think tim is the one that really what what's good about tim is that he he kind of earned his place you know like he discovered yeah. he used his detective skills discovered everything and that was something that you know jason todd was you know lacking as far as you know well the, originally they made him the, you know the carbon copy of dick grayson and then they're like oh no now he's stealing tires and everyone's like kill him you know so it's like <laughs> i think i think tim got it right of how to introduce a new version you know and then mm-hmm. plus he was wearing you know long pants which now you know my friend make fun of me for like why is he wearing no pants you know (laughs) (laughs) um let's see here how about i mean i guess you said already favorite your favorite batmobile you'd count the anton first as comic book comic book lore because it's been in enough i mean you know that's a really hard one for me just just in general's comics because i'm i'm i love so many different versions i mean yeah i think yeah probably that i mean i even think the um the new rebirth one is a really strong design really lend you know it borrows from the batman animated series and gives but puts that little bat head on it so i thought that was a nice design too if do you have a favorite iteration of the bat cave um probably the one i i got to write in batman 700 mm-hmm. um i actually got to write the bat cave spread so I kind of liked what they were, and that was again that era, the you know when Morrison was doing stuff, and they kind of incorporated everything. So there are bat poles in that version and stuff, you know. And so I, probably about around that era, because um, they kind of were dialing back that multi-leveled version mm-hmm. that was. In, I mean, it still has lots of levels, but it almost was like a cylinder for a while after, during like the Scott McDaniel years and things. And so they kind of were dialing that back a little bit and giving it more of the classic feel. So, but I also really like the again um 89's Batcave is really cool has a really cool pres- presence what we see of it you know they use yeah. they really use shadows to to uh you know make that make it a lot bigger than it you know it was mm-hmm. <laughs> did you like uh the Batman Returns Batcave uh yeah I think it kind of added on to a little you know a little bit but it was like I think that whole movie I think Batman Returns is probably the prettiest Batman movie it's just so I love Art Deco and they really leaned into the art. I mean, where Batman 89, I think, has more gothic nature yeah. to it. And I think, you know, that the Art Deco and I mean, every set, like Max Shrek's office, every every set is like such a cool thing to watch. So yeah, that's probably my visual favorite. So yeah, I almost I almost disagree with no decisions visually in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a so I said sidekick? Do you have a favorite um, ally of Batman's? Uh, I well, like right now I'm on a 
uh, a Huntress kick. So maybe Earth to Huntress I'm really enjoying, but um, in the in the current continuity, um, I mean, I also real. I mean, I always like uh, Barbara Gordon stories. That's a, mm -hmm. another favorite of mine. So, yeah, that's a really a really tough one for me because I kind of I have so many story ideas for all these characters that I would like to sure. do when I get to do comics. You know, I mean, I do books more than comics these days, but I would much rather um, dive into a lot of these characters in the comics. So, yeah, that's that's a hard one. I have you know. I, I heard Huntress first, so I'm gonna say Huntress. <laughs> and how about a favorite villain? Uh, villains hard too. That that one always changes. Um, I don't. I've I've I go back and forth a lot between Rachel Bull and Riddler. I both I like both of those um, from when I was a kid. Cool. So those two a lot. I, I love. I mean, writing villains. I love Clayface stories. Those are always fun. You can do a little psych out in us. And I never really got why the Joker is such a great character until I got to write him. And it he's just so much fun to write. Like there's because he's he's so awful but he has to be if, if you're writing joker will he also has to be legitimately funny you have yeah. to feel bad that you are laughing at something that he's saying and that is such a fun character to write it's it's uh the, the possibilities that you have with those you know even for mm -hmm. like i've got to write him in some of the like batman strikes and some of the kids books and stuff and um there i just like every like kind of even though even that less deadly version of joker it's still you can still get away with a lot of a lot of sure. fun. We actually had, although I did, they did have to take, <laughs> there was um, a whole thing about, there was a uh, Riddler's clues that Batman was following. And the original, the Riddler's clues were supposed to solve, um, it was supposed to be, the solution was, uh, other than that, what do you, th what did you think of the play, Mrs. Mrs. Lincoln? And so that makes you, um, told Batman what theater it was at, this like Lincoln theater. Or and, um, but it was also kind of like a dark joke that the Joker mm -hmm. would, you know, because it was the Joker actually pretending to be Riddler. There's a spoiler for this 2007 comic. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Not everybody's ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I remember my editor was like, "That might be a little too much for the for the kids' book," and I was like, "Too soon?" He's like, "No, yeah, you use it." <laughs> <laughs> too soon. Um, I respect that you didn't say Joker as number one. Though. You said either it was. So you're a race, not Roz. You're a race guy. Oh, yeah, I've always said race. Okay. Race. The first, first time I heard, well, the first time I heard Denny O'Neill say it, he said race. And then the second time I heard him, he was saying Roz because he was talking about the, um, that was right after Batman Begins came out. So, yeah. But I trust original Denny. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a real soft spot for all minor villains. Like, I did sure. a short story in a um, uh, Batman, uh, like 2010, 80 page giant. And the editor was like, well, what villain do you want to do? And I was, I said, oh, Calendar Man. He's like, okay. It's <laughs> like, sure. No one else is vying for Calendar Man stories. You're allowed to All do right. that. Yeah. I actually got to tell a little bit. I got to make up Calendar Man's origin uh, uh, for the first time in that. Just a little bit, a hint of it. So that was a fun one. Wow. And which issue was that? Or which story? It's called, it's, I, I, I want to say it's the Batman Giant, um, 80 Page Giant 2010 special. Um, but it was just a little uh, 10 page thing um, that I did with an artist, Gary Brown. And we got to do, uh, we just kind of got a, a hint at why Calendar Man is so obsessed with holidays. Actually, that's one of my favorite stories I've got to write. I was going to ask, is that the one with the Dustin Nguyen cover? Uh, yeah, he did. Well, there's two. Like, um, I think he did a villain. I want to say there's one that's a villain cover and one with a hero's cover. I have the villain. Yeah, I have that oh, one. It's in, my, it's in my long box. I haven't read that one in, a, in quite a while. But so, yeah, okay. 
little 10 page, I think it's 10 page, 10 or 12. But yeah, I, I gotta go dig it out. I gotta read it again. Uh, all right, so these are these are quick rapid fires and then, uh, and then I'll be letting you go. Um, choose one, don't need to give a reasoning or if you want to go for it. Arkham Asylum or Blackgate? Uh, I like Arkham. It's, you can get so much more creepy with it. <laughs> Silver St. Cloud or Julie Madison? Uh, probably Silver. Julie wasn't very developed <laughs> character-wise. Yeah, like she was, you know, Matt Wagner did a little bit with her, but you know, mm -hmm. otherwise she was just like, I'm the girlfriend. <laughs> like, yeah. You're right. I was like, all right. <laughs> Strange apparitions. That's one of my favorite stories because I, I just count it as a story. It's one of my favorites. And Engelhart did so much and so almost in so little with the stories, the characters, and everything. I love like reinventing golden age characters, or he was making a just telling a classic penguin story. You know, here is mm -hmm. here's a perfect version of the penguin. But yeah, that's actually my um I have a lot of older issues, but my consecutive issues start at the um, beginning of the Engelhart. So I have every detective since the Engelhart issue, and I have you know every Batman from that since that awesome. era too. So I'm slowly awesome. going back to complete my holes to get all the way you know to the beginning of the Bronze Age. That's my next goal. So collecting it never ends, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Batmobile or Batcycle? Um, the the Batcycle makes more sense, but you gotta like the Batmobile better. Batmobile, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I've Bat lived, you know, you live in a city and you can see how the Batmobile just would not work. Like, it makes sense. <laughs> maybe Schumacher had it right, but driving up walls, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Batcopter or Batgyro? Uh, Batcopter. Batcopter. Just because uh, I have the superpowers version. <laughs> got it. Golden Age or Silver Age? Uh, that's tricky. Probably Silver Age, though. I think there's, uh, I mean it was like kind of that a lot of the hokiness from the show like i thought the show was a pretty fair adaptation of it but there's there's just so many fun characters debuting at that point you know and like the silver age started out so you know i mean the golden age you know very pulpy and dark at first and then it gets pretty some of those get hard to read you know it's like okay like <laughs> how is this only an eight-page story this one's taking me so long to read where the silver age is still very inventive and you know you have the, the carmine infantino art all over the place and so yeah there, there's i, I can't probably, binge read the golden age stuff i can't i've tried yeah, and, I can't. and it's interesting yeah. there are comics back then like i'm also a big dick tracy fan mm -hmm. and the dick tracy's comics from the, that era they're just phenomenal they're they they're they like um especially when he gets into like the 40s and things like they're um they 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 feel like a Coen Brothers movie or a caper. Like they're just so much fun, and it's like, man, well, that's what the guys that were doing that were getting paid a lot of money because he, you know, the comic strip guys are getting paid all the money back then, and it's mm -hmm. like, comic, you know, the comic books for the guys that couldn't, they wanted to be comic strip artists, you know, like Bob Kane only wanted to do the comic strip when when he had the option, you know, so it's like, yeah, there it was possible to do great comics back then. Some of those bad, I mean, some of those are really, you know, some yeah. very. I have a fondness for really every era. So, you mm -hmm. know, certain stories like the first Joker story was really fun, you know, dark and, you know, odd. But <laughs> well, let's double down Silver Age or Bronze Age. Yeah, see, that, that was an easier one for me. I would choose Bronze Age Bronze. just because <laughs> I felt like this was the, the, you know, this is where the bat suit got to be the most, that like they refined how the yellow oval looked and they got kind of got rid mm -hmm. of the boxy chest and that weird. You know those Neil Adams uh, designs where uh, John Byrne he once said that um, although I think he was quoting somebody else 
but he said neil adam draws people the way people would look if people look like that so <laughs> yeah that's true but he, he, it's realistic but stylized which is just yeah. especially you know vintage neil adams is like it doesn't get much better than that and, you know marshall rogers gives him a run for his money especially with the, when it comes to capes you know yeah that's, but, yeah. that's stuff i really love alfred pennyworth or jim gordon Ooh, that's tough i mean i miss alfred in the comics now so um I. I prop. I would probably say just Gordon, just because of uh, Batman Year One, was such a. Uh, he was such a. He was so fleshed out in that, and such like a cool character. And again, I, I feel like in um, the current Joker book, this is the best Gordon we've seen Gordon be for like years, as far as like how he's written as a fully, you know, fleshed out character. But yeah, I do miss. I miss Alfred. I I really like writing. Um, Alfred Sass and like that was yes. one of my favorite moments in Batman Turtles where I get that right sassy Alfred in the background sassy you know? Alfred I love it yeah uh, so hopefully he'll be back soon <laughs> sticking in GCPD Harvey Bullock or Renee Montoya um I would probably say Harvey just because he's like such an interesting uh contrast to Gordon <laughs> where especially I mean not the Harvey the original Harvey was I thought he was a terrible character when he was original I don't know if you ever read when he was back in part of Checkmate or a long time ago and he was hmm. such a slob and a terrible person and then they kind of kept some of that and Batman the Animated Series really I think was what refined Harvey and that then that character started carrying up and, and I do like Renee a lot too I like I, I like the question stuff a lot mm-hmm. but uh yeah probably Harvey maybe just because he's a little older been around just right. a few years <laughs> Three more, Vicky Vale or Lois Lane? Uh, I think Lois is a better character, but I personally like Vicky, even though I, I feel like Vicky needs to come back and yeah. have a strong presence. Um, that's that's one I would really like to see back. In the, like it was, she had a little bit of, she came back a little bit right there in like the early 90s. And then she ended up leaving, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so she's been only back here and there, but not really in the spot. Not much of a presence. Yeah. Ever since I've read comics, it seems like she hasn't been. And I was like, but she was in that movie. Yeah. She has to be a big character, right? I mean, she, I mean, she's essentially Lois's much better character because Vicky was just a knockoff of Lois when she was originally introduced in the comics. She was just like, oh, Batman needs his Lois Lane. And Lois is a great character. I mean, she's been so fleshed out over the years. Yeah. But I think personally, you know, as a Batman fan, I'd rather Vicky got a same kind of treatment. I don't think she should be a Lois clone, but I think especially you know they should really play up the photography angle and have her you know have this you know unique character i also think batman comics are weaker without a love interest or a love Mm -hmm. triangle even like i think um a lot of the i I feel like a lot of the notes from way high up have kind of kind of shy away from having batman have relationships or changes in his life which it seems to be changing now because they've they've been allowed to shake up the status quo a lot so I mean, hopefully there will, I think that's one of the reasons Nightwing is so fun to read is because he can kind of do, he's like Batman, but he smiles a lot and he has fun and he <laughs> can have like unlimited, you know, interpersonal relationships with people where yeah, at the end of the day, Batman still has to be a loner, you know, even though he mm-hmm. has a team of 20 people. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, on the epic scale, Nightfall or No Man's Land? Uh, well, I personally liked Nightfall better. Um, no man's land i think is a really fun concept i, I still think nightfall um i probably even like nightfall's concept because um, nightfall they've done it before you know batman 400 had the whole arkham breakout arkham breakouts weren't the newest thing but to have a, a villain and really make a conscious effort of 
a villain who combines, you know, brains and brawn. That just doesn't happen that often. You kind of choose one or the other, like, you mm-hmm. know. And so it was, and I thought the, that Batman Vengeance of Bane one shot was a great opening for a character. Just like, you really got involved. Like, who is this wrestler guy? And then you start reading yeah. like, oh, really cool. You know, this was yeah. really an interesting uh, uh, one shot. I still think his motivation for fighting Batman is pretty weak. <laughs> like, he just kind of heard about him. He's like, oh, I need to conquer that. Like, why that city? Why not? You know, like, yeah. But, um, but once you kind of, you know, uh, do away with that a little bit, just the whole, and, and also they set up Venom earlier in Legend of the Dark Knight. And then I, and as a kid, I just, you know, it couldn't be the new Batman, you know, Batman past this point of exhaustion, you know, making mistakes and fighting like every single villain. And then at that point there were villains. I didn't, I didn't know who Film Freak was, for instance, when I was reading mm-hmm. that. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, I have to, I want to go back and find out who these characters were. No Man Land, I liked. But I feel like um, it was also a lot of new people coming in um, to comics. Some of them didn't stick around at all because everybody was doing different arts. So I felt like the voice wasn't there. I think it was um, both both books really had, you know, both benefited from Denny O'Neill being the main editor and making sure everything's going smoothly. But I think, um, I don't know, I, I really enjoyed both of them when they were coming out. But but yeah, Nightfall was really the one that had me on the edge of my seat every week where I, I can't say the same. And also it could be the age, you know, I was in sure. college when uh, No Man's Land was coming out and I, I was still, you know, very into comics, but it wasn't like this, you know, I was also studying comics. You know? So yeah. it wasn't like, I'm not reading this to get away from life. You know, uh-huh. this is becoming my life. So it's, it is a different, uh, uh, you know, relationship with the, with the material when you start realizing I have to read this for work, you know? <laughs> yeah changes it all a little bit yeah. and then this is the last one but i think you may have hinted at your answer yellow oval or no yellow oval oh yeah definitely yellow oval for me oval. i'm actually really <laughs> happy to see the batman incorporated costume back just to see the even though i don't think they did i don't think they did that like that version lights up which i think is a really fun thing too i, mm-hmm. I remember i like the asriel um because he didn't have the logo but he shine he could shine the the bat signal on the people and i was like oh that's cool you know, Spider-Man did it first, but still very cool, you know, fun to <laughs> so it's like, that's kind of the, uh, yeah, yellow will always be, even though, you know, maybe it makes less sense, but you know, the, the Frank Miller reasoning that it's, you know, it draws the fire to instead of his face, you know, that also makes yeah. sense. Uh, back to the book as we close up here, is there anything in this book that off the top of your head that you just think is probably your favorite part of the book that you put together. And it can be because of the, the layouts. It can be because of the, the topic. I mean, what you wrote, anything like that. Do you have a favorite part of this book? Uh, for this, and it's, it's been my favorite for every one of these smaller um, size, you know, the new size, the DK ones. I always like the timeline the best. That's always yeah. the most fun for me to like this one again, if, if it was just done a couple months later, I probably would have done the timeline a little bit differently, but sure. I was really happy with that because um, I did a very uh, uh, detailed version of the timeline, which became the Batman files, you know, so that was, it was kind of like this, this gave me a chance to go back to that, but then we had to kind of throw in some disclaimers like, oh, but he didn't meet the Justice League until New 52 because that's what Warner Brothers was telling us yeah. to put in at the point. And I'm like, yeah, but did he though, you know? <laughs> like um and like so i think that's kind of always it's always fun to make this big messy puzzle and like put it together in the most you know coherent way we can you know there's always going to be things that don't make sense you know out of continuity like 
anomalies. But again, you know, there's been so many crises. Their their minds have been messed with for, by all these, you know, <laughs> DDs. <Yeah>. Mine. <laughs> I think mine is probably the the two page spread of Gotham City because oh, yeah. I I love the map. <laughs> I just I love the map. That map is actually from um, that is they did the um, the Gotham. And if you ever see this, this is one of my favorite things that I have in my collection is the 3D uh, map of Gotham City. It's a puzzle. And the, oh, first, yeah. level, the first level look is exact identical to that, um, except I think we might have added Burnside, if I remember right. right. I don't know if they let me put it in. There's a couple things I was like, this is where Burnside is. And because we put it in Exploring Gotham, um, Exploring Gotham City, because I love, you know, the whole map thing too. But so because that map for the this... Um, 3D puzzle that they made because the, the first level is just a regular puzzle and then you put on like these foam level and then you put all the buildings in and they actually have the buildings they have the clock tower they have the Gotham City Police Department you know and they have the uh, Wayne Tower and all these and like all these great iceberg lounges there and it's all based on the comics which was originally I didn't want to get it because I didn't think it was going to be you know researched enough but I'm like whoa this really is they use the map from no man's land you know and all the, you know from uh, in the old Batman secret files and stuff. And so this wow. is just kind of a, a more modern version of that. We did, um, we, but when we got to, and like that map has been changed over the years because they added the narrows after Batman Begins. And, and then they added, um, we, I was, got to put Burnside in exploring Gotham. And it turned out the bridge that they were using for the Burnside bridge was actually the artist that was talking about designing this map on one of the spreads of Batgirl. And he was saying, um, Oh, he was he was actually picturing it as this. I think it was the Vince the Vince Finkel Bridge, which was named after a couple two editors' names smashed together, you know. And so he was like, "Oh, that was the bridge I was thinking of using for the Burnside Bridge." And I'm like, "Oh, that's perfect. It's just randomly, you know. Well, exact, there's really only a few bridges it could have been. So I was happy that you know that was the same area. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like now concrete, like where, you know, because the first one that they were naming new neighborhoods. I'm like, oh, where is that? <laughs> like, <laughs> So, yeah. And some of the comics have been a little iffy. Um, some some writers believe that Oracle's clock tower was in Burnside, and then but it's always really been in Old Gotham. So that's whenever you hear the clock tower in Burnside, that's not where it's supposed to be. <laughs> so, but I, now I guess it's been destroyed. So I guess it doesn't matter anymore. Now wherever they build it, <laughs> that'll be in the uh, the 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 new new edition, the, yeah. the new placement of the clock tower. So. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on here to talk about the book. I, I really like it. I think it's great. I think it's a great resource for uh, somebody who's just getting into Batman or has been a lifelong fan. It's just, it's fun, especially to revisit stuff that you know and to, to read about all that. So yeah, big thanks for coming on the show and, uh, and talking about your book. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry about my uh, long-winded answers to lightning around. That was the worst, the longest No, no. <laughs> it's, it's quite all right. Uh, could you go ahead? Do you want to plug anything of where maybe people can follow you, where people can find the book to, to buy themselves if they haven't already, all that stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just recommend either ordering uh, the books from your local comic store or uh, independent bookstore. Um, it's always, you know, helps, you know, your local businesses stay there. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, you know, I'm just on, um, I'm on Facebook, but I'm not really on these days. Um, so I'm mostly on Twitter. And then my website is just MatthewKManning.com. And I'm doing a couple shows. Um, I'll be in South Carolina this weekend and at the SC Comic Con. And I'll be over in um, 
oh, where am I going? Virginia Beach in a few weeks at the oh, Tidewater wow. Pond. So there's, well, I'll be, I'm finally getting back into con season now after all this. So, well, I, yeah. I'm hoping, I'll see, I might get to New York. I don't know. But gotcha. <laughs> you'll have, and you'll have this book at your, at the cons you're going to? Uh, yeah, def- cool. definitely this one. And then we'll see. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully by the, uh, I, I might have to get some more, but we'll see. we <laughs> <laughs> have to get some more. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Uh, Matthew Manning, everybody coming back to the show. And I hope, uh, I hope we can talk again sometime about, I don't know, Batman comics in general, or even books, your next book. I don't know, something. It'd be great. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks right. for having Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, there you have it. Matthew Manning, the writer of Batman, the ultimate guide. Very nice gentleman. Uh, very cool book. I highly, highly recommend as a Batman fan that you get this book and you check it out it's really fun to read really well put together and as you hear matt is a bit of a batman expert i think he knows everything about batman so uh, i again a huge thanks to him for giving his time to the show so i could sit and talk to him about batman it's it was a great time he's a very very nice guy uh so yeah definitely follow him on twitter as well um he's he has written so much stuff about batman like more than you think you even know so good follow there uh speaking of follow you can follow the batman book club on twitter and instagram at the batman bc for latest episode drops upcoming episodes like that episode 100 you can also write into the show at the batman bc at gmail.com for questions or comments or anything anything you want at all uh, if you want to support the show you can do that by going to a variety of different venues. Number one, like I said at the top of the show, is Patreon. You can also go to TeePublic where you can buy uh, merchandise for the Batman Book Club. That's TeePublic.com. Type in TBBC for the Batman Book Club. And uh, yeah, there'll be a whole, there'll be a list of uh, t-shirts, hoodies, notebooks, uh, a variety of things that you can do. Also, if you want to help uh, with the show, uh, head to the uh, sponsor at Manscaped.com. You can get 20% off of your off of your order as well as free shipping by using the code batbook b-a-t-b-o-o-k batbook and that helps support this show it helps support them and lastly the easiest thing that you can do if you don't want to spend any money at all that's 100% okay just go to the apple Podcasts rate and review page a link to that page is in the description of this episode the more reviews it gets the more it helps spread the word and as we all know the word is panic so for my guest, Matthew Manning. I am Ryan Lauer, and until next time, read my Batman comics. Oh, and the next episode is Libra Mayo.